Welcome to Bethel Cleveland's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information on this podcast or how to get connected, go to BethelCleveland.com. All right, I'm going to jump into things. Uh, Got a lot I want to cover. I do uh, just want to give uh, two cents of encouragement to two of the things you have coming up particularly. Uh, One, the prophetic training, as I'm going to talk about more uh, in a few moments. There is a fresh stirring of the Holy Spirit within the heart of God's people right now, and a lot of it has to do with eyes to see and ears to hear, intimacy with God. And even if you have no intention of being on, quote, the prophetic team, God calls his people to be prophetic, not pathetic. Uh, The hallmark of New Testament living is young men and women prophesying, older ones dreaming dreams, young men seeing visions. And... God wants to bring a great clarity. Secondly, the class Steve is doing about wealth, as I'm going to talk about, you know, the goal is not to go from poverty to prosperity. The goal is to go from poverty to generosity. A few of you are excited. But uh, there's, there's, there's you know, uh, I liked the, uh, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, the movie, uh, it's a fun story, but there were so many great one-liners in it. And one of the one-liners I really liked was uh, a lot of the key people, the movers and shakers and the different armies and whatnot. They were talking and there was this looming possibility of a battle that was going to destroy everything. And one of them turned to the rest and said, there are now things in motion that cannot be undone meaning you're in this deal whether you want to be or not. And the good news is, not just with all the negative stuff that's afflicting the nations today, but there are things God has been releasing for a long, long time now that are moving dramatically in the face of the earth that cannot be undone. The kingdom of God knows no end to its increase. And there is a harvest that's about to be unleashed right now worldwide that's just huge. And uh, this is a great time to be seeking first the kingdom of God. It always is, but this is particularly a great time. I've uh, been involved the last few months uh, with some behind-the-scenes Zoom meeting, invitation only with a number of leaders, particularly in Egypt, Syria, Israel, the Middle East, uh, because some things that Isaiah prophesied, you know, over 700 years before Christ was even born are beginning to happen right now. And it was while I was on one of these Zoom meetings with them uh, just a few weeks ago, the Lord spoke to me what I want to share with you right now. And that is that it's God is bringing his people out of the whirlwinds of confusion into the whirlwind of promotion and breakthrough. Whirlwinds are symbolic, biblically speaking, of two different things, and going all the way back to, if you know the story about Elisha, who was being mentored by the great prophet of God, Elijah. Elijah was about to be taken up to the Lord, and Elisha turns to him and says, I want the anointing you have on your life. I want that sort of anointing upon my life. And he's thinking, Elijah is just going to lay hands on him and impart something. But Elijah looked at him and said, what you've asked for is very difficult, meaning I can't just say a blessing over you and you get it. But he said these words, if you see it when it happens, meaning if you have eyes to see and ears to hear in the spirit, you'll enter into it. A short time later in the far side of the Jordan, they're walking along talking, 
And all of a sudden, Elisha, he saw it. He saw a whirlwind of fire and angels, chariots coming down from heaven, and Elijah was taken up. He never died a physical death. And from that time on, Elisha entered into that role of being a powerful prophet, the prophet to the nation of Israel of his day. And it was just remarkable how God used him. But whirlwinds can also be symbolic of destruction. And I'm going to be speaking today out of everybody's favorite book, the book of Job, that's all about loss, destruction, sorrow, grieving, and pain, and a nagging wife. <laughs> kind of in that order. If you're not familiar with the story of Job, Job was exceedingly wealthy, had a large family, and just had everything he could want, and then, we won't go into all of it, but God allowed him to be afflicted. He lost everything. Uh, his, all of his children died. They were all gathered in a certain place, and winds came and destroyed that. He then lost his health. He lost all of his wealth, all of his livestock. Everything was taken by raiders and thieves. And his wife just seemingly turned against him and began to say to him things like, why don't you just curse God and die? And all of them just criticized him endlessly. You know, the guy can't get a break anywhere. But in the midst of that, in Job chapter 38, verse 1, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. And with the whirlwinds we've been under, I mean, you can think about last year, the hurricanes that hit Tennessee, just millions, tens of millions of dollars of just destruction statewide, as well as the loss of life that was huge. But we think about the whirlwinds that have been in the world, such as COVID, the lockdowns, job insecurity, and all the stuff that as a nation we've been through the last three or four years. And there is such a pessimism. When I'm getting ready, historically I travel about 130, 140 days a year internationally in ministry, scattered throughout the year. That's been curtailed a little bit, obviously, by uh, COVID. But uh, getting ready for a trip, whether I'm going to several churches or just one conference, whatever, I normally uh, hear some things from the Lord about uh, uh, what to focus on, what the Lord wants to do, healings, different prophetic things. But uh, sometimes I hear from the Lord in kind of a backhanded way, sometimes by the type of warfare I experience. And the last two days, I flew here on Friday, but Thursday and Friday of uh, this last week, I just had this overwhelming, dreadful sense of hopelessness come upon me that is very illogical because I know to the bottom of my bones, God loves me, cares me deeply. He's cared so much for my wife and I, our family over the years, and just great testimonies. But I believe that was the Lord allowing me to get a, a small taste of maybe what some of you right here this morning live with. Maybe it's something coming from broken families and, you know, maybe shattered relationships, maybe health problems that you've been putting up with for years. Maybe it's because of all the stuff that's happened the last couple of years. But I want to say to you that if you've been dealing with a lot of hopelessness, despair, you're coming into a season of breakthrough as a church, as a people of God. And so out of the whirlwind, God spoke. And he spoke primarily in chapter 38, kind of a loving rebuke to Job, because Job had a problem in his relationship with God. 
It's a problem that many, many Christians in America have, not you, but the church down the street. (laughs) And that problem is that we tend to be far too casual with a God we really do not know all that well. We assume our opinions have to be God's opinions. Hence, the whole, all the prophecies a year and a half ago that Trump was going to win. Because people wanted, some people wanted Trump to win, of course that's what God wanted to do. And I I realize I just poked a hornet's nest for some of you, but that's the reality. We tend to get discouraged when God doesn't do things exactly the way we want him to do, how we want him to do it, and all of that. And it's because we've fallen a bit into the sin of Job that thinking God's on our level. But Isaiah said God's ways are above our ways. His thoughts are beyond our thoughts. And he's calling his people back to some of the basics of the faith such as what Solomon said, lean not to understand, but trust the Lord with all of your heart. And he's bringing us, wants to bring us in the next few years to a place. I use the word humility. I'm not talking about going around sackcloth and ashes, but a great heart-to-heart revelation that God is the great I am, and we're the great we're not. (laughs) I'm glad you're excited. So God began to deal with Job... And as I said, it was in the midst of the the whirlwinds and all the things going on. But then it says again in Job chapter 38, or Job chapter 40, two chapters later, again it says, God answered Job out of the whirlwind. Out of all the confusion, all the questions, all the swirling problems going on, and by the way, Job was in great pain. He was afflicted with some tormenting skin issues. He was in great pain, as well as all the poverty he was thrust into, loss of his children, loss of his friends, and everything. But God began to speak straight into Job's heart, and it's brilliant how Job responded to the Lord. In verses 4 and 5, he said, Behold, I am of small account. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand upon my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not answer twice. I will proceed no further. Essentially, Job and God dealing with him, he came to a place of new humility, meaning, who am I to try to tell you what's up, God? Who am I to fault find with you about what you have or haven't done? He made himself small in the presence of the Lord. And I believe that really comes out of just one thing, out of a growing heart knowledge of the glory and majesty and wonder of God and the Lord Jesus that the Father is really wanting to give the church at this time. I'm going to break one of my rules that I've, uh, I've been teaching and preaching on prophecy, knowing the voice of the Lord for 40 years now, and Steve will know uh, this is something both Steve and I believe in. Uh, Steve knows this about me. I do not believe in giving directional words, particularly for churches from the pulpit, because uh, it can be manipulated and just cause all sorts of things where wisdom from above is first pure and peaceful, meaning we talk about these things, we pray about them. So usually I give directional words to a leadership group or the senior pastor and say, you know, just take this, pray into it, et cetera, et cetera. 
But I feel this morning during worship, the Lord told me as a church to challenge you all as a church just over the next two months to do a couple of things. One, to have a time of a a night or two of holy consecration. That what you're going to be stepping into, and I think it's uh, my encouragement to do it before your prophetic training, to do it before this Holy Spirit conference coming up in a few months, But we get into patterns, being human beings, and as a church, we get into patterns. And what the Lord wants to bring to you this year is not just an addition of what you've already got, although that would be wonderful. He wants to multiply things to you. He wants to birth things to you. I'm not big into fasting myself. <laughs> my, my wife was with me at a conference a few years ago, and some woman came up to her, and she found, found out Kim was my wife. She said, oh, what's it like being married to a prophet? Is your husband fasting all the time? My wife had to bite her hand to keep from laughing out loud. <laughs> I love good food. In fact, in fact, sometimes I think it's almost idolatrous, but I stopped short of that. But, but uh, I, I did a three-day fast just a few weeks ago about this year, And I want to encourage you, I'm not saying you have to do this, I don't mean it manipulately, but I want to encourage you as a church to pray about having a two or three day fast in preparation. And it's not that we twist God's arm when we fast, but we say, Lord, you're the one I'm hungry for. It's your voice. It's you I need to hear and see. And I want to encourage you to have a night as a church of holy, a holy convocation coming and presenting yourselves before the Lord because you're about to step into something new. Now, the reason I'm breaking this rule of mine is because I know Steve so well. We've ministered all over the globe together for decades, but Steve is very, he's a very strong prophet himself, but he knows the ins and outs, so he can deal with this and say, well, Mark missed it, but he let's love him anyway, or whatever. But uh, are you still alive? Good. About half of you are mildly excited. So we go into Job chapter 40, 41, and 42. And God begins his beginning to continue to speak out of this heart-to-heart revelation to Job. And then in Job 42, Job does answer the Lord And he says essentially four things. I'm just going to read the scriptures to you, then I'll make a brief comment on them. He says, I know that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful which I did not know. Hear, and I will speak. I will question you, and you will make it known to me. I have heard of you by the hearing of your ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Essentially, there's four things that Job is coming into a life-changing revelation. I'm not going to talk in depth about them, but I just want to mention them. One... Nothing is impossible with God. I don't care how much corruption there is with our politicians today. I don't care how much deception government officials may be doing this or that. I don't care what's happening with the economy. I don't care what's happening on the other side of the globe. The purposes of God cannot be thwarted. 
He knows the plans he has for your life. He knows the plans he has to give the nations as an inheritance to Christ. He knows the plans he has for revival. And no purpose of God's can be thwarted. You know, this boils all the way down from the micro to our individual lives to the macro to what's in motion right now on the face of the earth. I remember a few years ago, I was doing a prophetic conference in Stavanger, Norway, and I felt an anointing that the last meeting on a Sunday night, there was going to be a grace for miracles, so I challenged people to bring family members and friends who need a miracle. Two friends brought a third friend who loved the Lord, but he, he was dying. He had three types of cancer. All three of them were stage four. He had cancer of the liver, and if you know anything about cancer of the liver, even usually stage two is considered terminal. He had cancer of the bones, and he had cancer of the blood. They helped him walk in the meeting. They had to drive him to the meeting, helped him walk in, and during the prayer time, they brought him up to me, and they just said he has cancer. I didn't know he had three different types of cancer. I didn't know what type. But as I prayed for him, I, I saw, so to speak, in a vision, the Holy Spirit's going so deep into every fiber of his being, I saw the power of the Holy Spirit even touching the molecules making up his bones. And so I said to him, your bones are being healed, being cleansed right now in the name of Jesus. Well, what happened was, and I know this because I was back with the church a few years later and the man came and testified. He, he was supposed to die within a week or two of uh, getting prayer that night that uh, he didn't feel any different right at that time, but a few nights later, he was lying on his sofa in his house. He'd been sent home from the hospital. There was nothing they could do for him. And as he was laying there, just thinking about that time of prayer, all of a sudden, the glory of the Lord's presence filled his living room. David said in the psalm, seek the Lord in his presence. Seek his strength continually. And he was just lost in worship for about a half hour or so. And then he sensed the Shekinah, the weight of God's presence, the kabod, I should say, of God's presence lifting. And he was 100% completely healed. He had, he drove himself to the hospital the next day and went into the cancer center and the nurses and doctors there are just in shock because he had one from the grave and now he looked completely vibrant and alive. They did every test. And it's interesting, the hospital there was cooperating with a group of uh, doctors in the United States researching cancer of the liver. And they sent the after results after he'd been healed to the, uh, this group in the United States and he said, this cannot be the same patient because there's no way this man could recover. See, the things that are impossible for you and me are never difficult for El Shaddai, God Almighty. Secondly, we're called to live by faith, not by understanding. The ways and wisdom of God demand that we live by faith, not by our limited understanding of perspectives. And some of us have been trying to figure things out, trying to put a spiritual spin on what's been happening politically and economically in every which way. Seek the Lord. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved in the political process. I'm not saying we shouldn't vote according to our consciences. I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved in that whole sphere. Yes, but our mandate has not changed. It's still to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness.
How many of you know sometimes you've got to let God change you before you can change anybody else? Number three, we absolutely must begin to take time to listen to God and not just make our requests known to him. And number four, as Job said, things I've heard with my ear about you I'm now seeing with my eyes. God desires that we not only hear about him, that we would gaze upon him. Paul, over 700 years later, prayed for the church of Ephesus that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation and knowledge of him, having the eyes of your heart enlightened. So you may know what is the hope of which he has called you, what are the riches of his glories and heritage saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe. Just very quickly and bring this to a close, I want to say to you that there's a very necessary change coming to the prophetic ministry of the United States. We've had this clamoring to know about events that I believe has been on an unhealthy level. It goes all the way back to the original sin of Adam and Eve in the garden wanting to know all things so they didn't need to lean upon God. Yes, God does give revelation about events. That's, that's a given. But the heart of prophecy is not about events. The heart of prophecy is a great revelation of Jesus. Revelation 19.10, the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus. Isn't it interesting that the first time Jesus really declared, I am, happened at a prophetic event when he met with the woman at the well in Samaria. We've missed it with the prophecy. We want to know what blessings here, what's blessing there. Your blessing that overshadows everything is the person and presence of God. And as it says in the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The church today needs a revelation of the majesty, the beauty, and the triumph of the Lord Jesus. Bring this to a close because it's about breakthrough and restoration. It says in Job 42, verse 10, And the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends. You see, his three friends... Rather than encouraging him, strengthening him, they criticized him. But the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he prayed for his friends. If ever there was a time a human being needed encouragement and compassion and empathy, it was Job, what he'd gone through. But instead, his friends criticized him. But here's this last point that Job had to learn. He was not going to come into the breakthrough and be the breakthrough person God created him to be if he didn't have a pure heart. Jesus said, if you do not forgive those who have sinned against you, neither will your heavenly Father forgive you of your sins. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Would you all stand with me? The whirlwinds of God... Not the whirlwinds of destruction, but the whirlwinds of God are about many of you right now. And bringing this very quick, what is, the, uh, what is the countdown for? That's when the service is over? Okay. Okay. But uh, 
I want to pray two things very quickly. Number one, I want to pray for the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of God that Paul prayed through Ephesus to be upon each of us, that the eyes of our heart could behold him. And secondly, I want to say a brief prayer for anybody here that you've got long-standing anger, bitterness, jealousy, envy towards somebody else, especially someone in the body of Christ. So Father, I bless this church. I bless this congregation. I bless everybody here, including those who couldn't be here, Lord God. And Father, as much as this church has been a prophetic beacon for Cleveland and beyond that, I pray for a fresh anointing of eyes to see and ears to hear especially to perceive your beauty, your majesty, and the wonder of who you are. So we would know on a level we don't know now that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. And the things we've talked about that we really haven't understood, we'd begin to understand and see those things and especially perceive your glory. And while every eye is closed, if you know in your heart of heart that you've been wrestling maybe for weeks, months, years with unforgiveness, bitterness, anger towards somebody else, especially a family member or someone in the body of Christ, would you just raise your hand right now? This is so vital that we're not going to be free to enter into what God has for us apart from this. Father, we collectively stand before you and we say forgive us in the name of Jesus for giving our hearts over to bitterness, anger, unforgiveness. We repent of that, and we say we want our hearts to be a resting place for your glory. We repent and ask that you would remove the bitter root of judgment by which the church has been defiled. Restore to us a pure heart so we can indeed, as David said in Psalm 51, be the people who make known the ways and glory of God. And Father, just as the whirlwinds of destruction have been all about us, I pray for the whirlwinds of promotion. And just as you restored Job to a family and wealth and health beyond anything he'd ever known, I pray for breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough, the winds of favor now and promotion to come upon Bethel Cleveland beyond what we can imagine. Let your favor and open doors come this year like never before. I prophesy breakthrough to you in your lives, your friendships, your marriages, your health, your finances. Breakthrough for the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to our Sermon of the Week. You can help us reach others by investing today at BethelCleveland.com slash give.